This is TV8 by Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. Where have all the boobies gone? No more naked. Where are all the shower scenes from long ago? Listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean, and I'm sitting here with Brooks. Hola. Greg Hello. can't be with us tonight. No, Greg said adios to his he internet said, connection. He said adios, hombres. Adios, that's what they said in uh, Star Crash, and I've been saying it ever since. Adios, really? Yeah, that robot. Is that guy, what the robot that, says? The robot cowboy. He goes, adios. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but robots can't speak Spanish. Robots certainly shouldn't have southern accents in distant yeah. future worlds. Yeah, we should never, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, we should never program robots to behave like they're Texan at all. Yeah. I guess, and he was a, um, he was he like was a, a cowboy too. robot. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. He wasn't very tough, although they put him back together after he was beaten together, beaten to death by uh, cavemen. Star Crash. I, I recommend it. Go watch it. Yeah. Tell your friends. It's not in theaters. It's on DVD. Yeah. So it don't go looking was for it in never Fandango. in theaters, except maybe in Italy. So how's it yeah, going? Fandango. That's a Netflix thing. That's not a Fandango. Yeah. You can Netflix that. I guarantee it. I saw uh, Hellboy this weekend. Did, did you enjoy the Hellboy? I did enjoy it. It was it was different than I expected. It was cool, like, but it wasn't the same kind of cool that I thought the first one was. But it was, it was equally cool. Does it make sense? Mm-hmm. I like the way that they, they were. They're sort of exploring the sensibility of it a little bit more, and you could tell Guillermo del Toro being more involved. You know, they were putting more of that fantasy kind of spin. I think on that it. they um the the character of if I'll just give a quick review here for those of you who are interested. The character of Hellboy to me wasn't quite as charming as he was in the first movie. There were a couple of moments, like when he gets drunk with the uh, Abe or whatever the fish guy, and that was kind mm-hmm. of a fun Hellboy moment where they were being. Yeah, I really, and then the whole audience in the theater where I was, everybody seemed to really enjoy. That's the stuff that I, like, I, I want like it to when see. characters, yeah, that, that sort of the the characters out, you know, out of character, you know, just kind of hanging out. Yeah, or having these candid moments like that. That's what makes them real. And uh, all the fantastic stuff, which is fascinating to watch and really cool, but that kind of detracts from what the first Hellboy was. What made it so charming was those moments, like when he's on the roof with a little kid watching his girlfriend flirting with another guy and stuff. That's the stuff that really gets you interested in the character. And this one didn't have as many of those moments, but it did have some really cool, like monsters and creatures and stuff. So it was neat. Yeah, it's very inventive. I'd like to see more of them. I hope they keep making them. I felt bad because I, I went on a Saturday night and there were only like three people in the theater with us. Well, they're getting pretty well overshadowed now. Even the mummy's making some money. The but, mummy, which I haven't seen, but only got like 12% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is one of the well, lowest I've ever seen. 
So that's that's pretty bad. I don't know about the rotten tomatoes and all that. I I saw it and I enjoyed it. Oh, you thought it was cool? So, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I've never been. It's one of those things, though. I've never loved the Mummy movies. I've always sort of liked them for what they are. I liked the Mummy Returns because it was really campy and ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I liked that element of it. This one, but this looks one was to be a lot of fun. Same sort of the same thing where it's uh they got abominable snowmen and dragons and stuff. Yeah, it's real fun. Crazy. They just go for the Eastern philosophy. They're, they're ready to raid another another set of, of history. Well, I may like, go see that next much weekend. Wrong. This then, one dry. I, I would say it's definitely. It. It's kind of weird that that you know it's a new. You know, Rachel Wise is not in it now. Yeah. And that that takes me because I really character in it with a different actress. Yes. Yeah, well, see, and that's like what makes it weird. But but it's sort of appropriate because at least you know they it's because they want those characters to have a continuity, and the only other way to make the movie without her in it is to find a way to get her out of the story, and that usually goes bad for yeah. the character. So at least this way. And, you know, after the first 10 minutes or so, they try to be cheeky about it at first, but after the first 10 minutes or so, you don't really notice anymore. Well, it's not that big of a deal, I wouldn't think. It is, like, not as bad as if you replaced Brendan Fraser or whatever. I would say he's definitely the key element, and his kid has grown now, so they don't have a little kid with him, and he's sort of like the, I don't know, it's sort of got that Indiana Jones thing where it's him and his son, but, you know, he's, what, 30 years younger than... Yeah. Than uh, Harrison Ford and his son is older than LaBeouf is in that other movie. Oh, really? So it's a little weird, you know. Uh, but that doesn't make any sense at all. But, well, but I it, think it hasn't been that long them. since the other movies, though. Well, I'm sure they're saying that more time has passed. Yeah, he's like something like in his twenties or something in this movie, and they've been like that spies they just throw a little gray hair on Frazier to make him look older. No, no, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Frazier's kind of boyish. You, you, you know, we keep saying Frazier. It's actually Fraser. Fraser, like Fraser, is how his name is. Is he Australian? Am I getting in trouble again? <laughs> no, he'll probably turn out to be Canadian or something. Well, you he know. did do that. That Mountie. He did movie. make that. What is it? Yeah. It wasn't a mount. It's Dudley Do Right. Yeah, wasn't it? Well, he's a Mountie. Right? I know he's a Mountie, but that's so weird to call it a Mountie movie. Well, I couldn't think of what the name of the character was. I'm sorry, but I don't think that's representative of Canadians either. I think that's just representative of him making a lot of terrible <laughs> career decisions yeah. that haven't seemed to have impacted him at all. He's still going strong. Well, uh, but only he does all right. He... I really enjoy him, and I like him in movies, and I like him in this movie. One thing I kind of like about the Mummy, you know, obviously they pull from like the old monster movies, but they don't try to be a monster movie. They remind me more of. It seems like they're trying to be like like Army of Darkness or oh, Evil yeah. Dead. They're that sort complete, of cheekiness. Complete and um, it, adventure movie is what it is. Yeah, and it sort of has that sort of campy, slapsticky sort of adventure that reminds me of. Army. I, anybody that wants to take the Army of Darkness style and apply it to anything, go for it. It's like Indiana Jones, except not as serious. Yeah, it's like, that's really, not to say too much about the new Indiana Jones movie, but the thing that bothered me about the new one is they seem to be treating Indiana Jones like you could do that, where it's just over the top and weird and, you know, completely unbelievable. That wasn't the basis of that that film franchise. 
but you can do stuff like in the mummy where they run into abominable snowmen. It's like, oh, well, okay, you know, whatever. Like they can get away with that because they never began with anything else. They they began right away with just like this is straight up stupid, and that's what we're running with. It's more fun that way. You can't really be as campy in the Indiana Jones because they are campy, but they're they're purporting not to be. You know, in the story, they're pretending not to be. They take it seriously. The mummy movies don't take themselves seriously. I think that's their whole charm. It's just a bunch of fun, you know, a lot of humor running around, not real serious kind of stuff, and just fun special effects kind of running around kicking people in the face. That's what I like. That's what I like to see. What a good year for movies this has been so far, or at least the kind of movies that I like. It's yeah, probably not and they've, a good year for mostly, Oscar films or anything, but... They've turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, The Dark Knight may have a shot at the Oscars because the Oscars haven't really put out much of anything. You know, there the, aren't the many. Maybe the fall will be the time for Oscar. Hopefuls. Yeah, I'm sure they're not going to bother competing with what's out now. But so you want to talk about Naked Girls again? I always want to talk about Naked Girls again. I like that. I like that segue. So Naked Ladies, right? And then we just start talking like any two guys. If you gathered them together, that that conversation could take up like it's been happening all along. What do you think? Exactly. There's there's we been an accusation of of perhaps some slight sexism going on the show here. So, well, I wouldn't call it an accusation, but Lynn did point out that that Lynn, our fan, that I am us. in fact sexist sometimes. And I but, know. I'm just but she wasn't like saying that in a bad way. Like she wouldn't. She's just pointing it out. <laughs> so to continue in that vein, you so, want yeah. to talk about so, something kind of sexist. Uh, as a risk to that, like that coming up just recently, with it's a risk that we tackle this topic. But I think this topic is important because I'm cheeky to be funny sometimes. But but this is for real. Like I think we really do need to look at what's going on with sexuality in movies. And usually when people have a conversation like this, it's because they think there's too much of it. Not us. That is not, that's not our take. Well, maybe we shouldn't say us so much. Well, let me hear your theories before you, you <laughs> yeah. can implicate me into this. Yeah. I don't want to implicate you. What was that word? You just, there was an extra syllable when, when you said it. Implicamentate. Im- implementate. Okay, well, Fine. We're already, we're already, Greg is already not on board. He's not even here. And now I'm going to have to win you over. I feel like this is, this is part two of the junk exploitation. This is the other side, I guess, of junk exploitation. Yeah, the boob exploitation. Like, Sean, we've got to stop talking about the exploitation of people's genitalia. Can we call it jug exploitation? Jug exploitation. See, now tell me you're not on board. How effortlessly you came up with that. Well, I don't think I think any five-year-old could have effortlessly came up with that. That's not that's not something that requires. Well, I'm thought. just saying you you keyed into your inner five-year-old, and and God bless you. Speaking of junk exploitation, I have a new argument. I got a, I got another example. Another example of junk exploitation. Okay. That that yeah that may even have give teeth a run for its money. Yikes! I was watching Beyond Reanimator. Okay. This Saturday. And I'd seen it on Sci-Fi Channel without realizing that that wasn't actually seeing it. Okay. So I was because watching this movie. they cut so much out. Yeah, because they cut so much out. Because you didn't get to see what got cut out. I see. Yeah. 
I've never seen Beyond Reanimator, so is yeah, that, what's where they tried to revive? Movie? You know, they they made Reanimator years and years ago, but they're trying to revive it. Just a few years ago, they made oh, a so new one. So this is a modern remake mm-hmm. or a still has, modern sequel. Uh, yeah, still a sequel. Still has Jeffrey Combs in it. Okay, well that's know? cool. At least they, it was cool they for a Reanimator. Yeah, they, they they did it. I think the whole thing was shot in like a Spanish prison or something. Like it was a prison, mm. but everybody in it was Latino. Is it as like, charming as it as the original? In a lot of ways, you could tell they're trying to be. There's there's a lot of stuff that's not necessarily appropriate, clearly, but the original had that too. But there is a it, it culminates in in the uh, in the biting off of a member. Nice. Yeah, so by like a zombie or something, or yeah, well, you know, in Reanimator, it's not just zombies; it's a whole different thing. And this, man, this movie comes real damn close to not making any sense at all. Where they figure out that the way to keep them from being mindless, like killing machines, is that you have to extract some kind of oh or some kind of plasm, some crypto necroplasm, or I forget what he called it, <laughs> but some kind of plasm. That that culminates like that 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 gathers and disperses at the moment of death, and if you can inject that back into a person, then they'll regain consciousness. But if you do that, you're take you're essentially taking the soul of the person who died and putting that into the other person. I see. So she's taken over by the soul of this guy, and then his body is reanimated again. So. These two get get together. It really it has a hard time making sense. But point is, somebody gets bit. Okay. And it's but more graphic what, what, than teeth. Oh, I, I almost yeah, because it it almost gets it almost gets as much screen time after it's after the deed. Huh. But what makes it what makes it an evolution in every way though is this is probably the first reanimated member. I've ever oh, seen. Oh, interesting. So it's so still alive. The, yeah. So so kudos to the reanimator people for that. Because that's where it starts to get weird. That's where the beyond comes in. Yeah, way beyond. Yeah, no doubt to that. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, world, this junk exploitation stuff's not just me. It's happening more and more. Something weird and going I on I think that. that's an offshoot true. of what we're talking about tonight. I do. Why don't you explain I, what we're talking about tonight? Because yeah, we're about you tell us six what you're minutes about. into it, and you haven't you haven't really explained yet. Well, we've talked about this a little bit before in the show, where I'm starting to get more and more concerned that you don't there aren't sex scenes in movies anymore, and there are there isn't nudity in movies anymore, but there's still sexuality. There's still like rape is becoming more popular than ever in movies. There's still violence, to be sure. You you know, torture is more popular than ever in movies. But somehow they they're taking this this attitude that if we were to see a naked lady, then all of civilization would just crash to the ground. But it's okay that you know you can see Hills Have Eyes too, where she's getting raped by a Frankenstein monster. And they'll show that just so long as in the course of that scene, we never see a naked breast because that would be inappropriate. It is no nudity in the film because that we don't want the kids seeing that. 
but just the the total violation and degradation to me and it, and I think it's a destruction of of positive and healthy sexuality. Do you think this has anything there. to do with getting a a proper rating like an R rating versus an NC17 or something? Well, I, I fear it. that could be the reason that there's someone watching a movie going, a naked lady is completely obscene, but this is fine. And I'm like, what is going on? You know, I can go into an art gallery any day of the week and see my share of naked ladies all over the place. I have yet to see a painting of a monster raping a woman. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that's Ever. a, a I form never of art seen, you should get, see yeah, if you can really. get off the ground, tap that market. Not one single marble statue of a woman biting off a man's penis. I <laughs> if I ever you. get rich, I'm going to have one of those commissioned yeah. right there. I've I've read the Kama Sutra. I've seen the frescoes and the reliefs. I didn't see that. Can you read I the Kama Sutra? Is there text? Or is yeah, it what just... do you, you read Sanskrit, Sean? What are you talking about? <laughs> you looked at the pictures. It's not, it's not Playboy. Let's be honest. Well, I didn't even. I but all I'm saying is I've seen it, and I haven't seen that. But what it is full of is a lot of ways that people can pleasure each other in the weirdest ways imaginable, all consensual. And I just think about movies before, and we talked about this, where I really think that the evidence of it is the shower scene, because the whole reason the shower scene was invented in a movie, aside from Psycho. The whole reason the shower scene was invented as a movie was just to have a reason to show the girl take her clothes off. It was the payoff, you know, the popcorn. And that was what happened. But now, somehow, it's become such a taboo to have nudity in a movie that they still have the shower scene because they remember that as being a staple of the genre. But there's no nudity. Is there a point in movie history that you can think of where this changed? I'm really glad the sentence ended that way when you started out saying, is there a point (laughs) to anything you're saying right now? Well, that was going to be the second question. I'm wondering, I think I, I think I can, I think I know where, where the, the deviation, you know, the, the back to the future. I think I can find the point. All right. Where the, the sports almanac. Well, I'd love to hear. 1955. I really think that it happened when Scream came out. So I really think it, that it started with Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven and these teeny bopper movies, the saturated, sterilized '90s horror movies. Well, that is a clear delineation in that that was the death of the classic '80s horror movie, and it is true that the '90s ones were all very dumbed down, teeny bopper. Well, I can't say dumbed down because the originals were dumb, but. Yeah, well, that's, but isn't sanitized. that funny, though, that you consider that to be dumbed down <laughs> from, well, like, Friday the 13th Part 1? They were very teeny-bobby movies. Well, you know why it seems dumbed down? It's because what you had there was you had capable filmmakers with real money making stupid movies on purpose. And it was the opposite of good old-fashioned horror movies, because good old-fashioned horror movies were guys that were trying real hard but weren't talented and didn't have any money. <laughs> Yeah. And they make crap because that's what you're supposed to make when you don't have any talent or money because you don't know any better. So what they do? They filled them to the brim with blood and naked ladies to give people something to do. And somewhere along the line, someone decided that that was an unhealthy mixture of sex and violence. 
which, which may be at true. face value it would sound like it, but it was it didn't mix them at all. They were just separate elements that were there in their own context. I mean, there there's some. I guess there's a valid argument to be made for that. But what what's weird to me is is that you took away the the I guess the I don't know the titillating part of horror movies, but you didn't take away the the violent part. And they yeah. just amplified all the energy from the titillating parts, just kind of went into the violent parts and amplified those. And what's more dangerous to me in that is they sort of kept in a sort of cerebral titillation. They still populate movies with super hot girls, and they still act sexual, and they still have sex scenes, and they still have shower scenes. You just don't get to see anything. So there's actually, to me, there's more of a boiling point that it brings you to because there's never any kind of release so really it, it's more of a tease and there's no actual payoff and i think it's starting you know you, you start taking people who are hormonally challenged which is what these movies are targeting towards and you get them all worked up sexually you give them no release of any kind and then just fill their brains full of just horrific violent images with no moral pretext, which is what we were talking about before. Horror movies aren't about good versus evil anymore. They're about people being victimized. And add to that an element where you get people sort of aroused with no actual release, and that's what, that's the, the, that's what you're encouraging as a mentality in the audience is sort of the, to equate that sense of sexual frustration with an act of victimization. I'm going to take this a step beyond. But but first I will say that there are some throwback movies that I've seen from the 2000s that stuff like uh, Cabin Fever, which has naked sex scenes in it. And um, Eli Roth believes in nudity. He did it in Hostel as well. Yeah, and like even like the new Freddy vs. Jason, I think, had a shower scene, if I recall. With a body double, actually. That's a funny thing that, that my buddy Wilson and I were talking about because we are actually both like this girl, Catherine Isabel, who's the girl in that movie. The one that gets killed in the, the cornfield or whatever. Yeah, yeah, she plays the slutty girl, but according to Wilson, the the shower scene the, is not her. Well, how does he know? It's actually a classic body. <laughs> I don't know. He's tapped into things. <laughs> like, to actually, that's... That's the kind I of guess stuff because that if I knew, naked I wouldn't ladies tell are people. so rare in a movie that you can actually know. Like, no, man, that's not the real thing. But like, really, it's creepy that he knows that that he's like, I've seen her. That ain't her. Or I've no, seen that girl before. She's body double for I all think, these people. I think he read it somewhere because I think she's going on record somewhere saying that she didn't believe in doing nudity in movies, and that he read that. I don't believe it's because he can, he can well, recognize her. At any rate, I <laughs> but you know, the, but I'm not, that's just what I'm saying. It doesn't concern me that it's a body double because you still get your shower scene. That's all I'm saying. So there no, are some movies, yeah. but it is sad to say that that is obviously a throwback because that's using 80s characters. I mean, that's a yeah, complete Yeah, even Eli Roth is just trying to do throwback movies. It, like even Hostel, which isn't as, as big as Cabin Fever as far as an homage, he was doing that as more of an homage to like Takashi Miike, to the Asian extreme kind of genre, which is a whole different thing. I got a whole thing on these Asia extreme movies. And I think you you think it's because of the imagery, and you're partly right because some of them are very clever and creative in their imagery. But one thing you get in these Japanese movies is just wanton and reckless in its exploration of sex and violence. 
Well, it depends on the movie and the director and stuff. They're well, not Takashi all like that. Miike. You watch, uh, what is uh, Ishii the Killer? Man. Well, he's kind of a shock kind of guy. But not all the Japanese guys are like that. Not even all of Takashi Miike's are that shocking. But uh, but I'm just saying, I think there's when you see the Asia extreme, you, that's what you think it is. You know, old boy and stuff like that, you know. But there's um, is sex and violence in movies, and I think that people are starting to get hungry for that because why? When did it become? It used to be in comedies. Comedies now are more likely to have like nudity than horror movies are. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Not comedies, but I was gonna say that it's not just horror movies where you see this because another thing that you always found in '80s movies, action movies, is that you always had a like a scene of some kind, a sex scene every time, every action. A movie. random, ridiculous nude scene. I remember. Here's my favorite. These are high budget. My, my favorite these nude scene ever. I I want to say this is Tango and Cash. <laughs> yeah, nice. It was probably Tango and Cash. It would. It's awesome if it is because that's the like ultimate '80s like stupid. It wasn't even in the '80s. I think. I think it was the early '90s. But. But it was an ultimate throwback to that. And there's a scene where there's like a car chase or whatever, and they bang up a car. And then for no reason, like this guy and girl pop up in the backseat of the car, and the girl is like topless. And like, <gasps> and there it is. <laughs> you know, in Demolition Man, they have like the vid, the, the vid phone where it's visual, and he's standing in his house, and just the visual comes up with the girl, and she's coming out of the shower naked. It's like, hey, how's it going? Oh, no. You know, like you knew you were going to get something for your money. And I don't want to sound like a jerk or a perv or whatever, but I think I didn't realize how important that lower level of of sexual payoff, how important that was in movies until I find myself in movies where when something's about to happen, like they're about to have a sex scene or they're about to have a shower scene, you're actually looking at it going, yeah, but you're not going to see anything. And if someone gets naked, you're actually like, oh, my God boobs you're like like yeah. a 12 year old officer look they're naked in the movie they're naked in the movie it's crazy it used to be so common that you, you got jaded by it or you just you you became oblivious to it it just kind of you didn't even notice yeah and i think in an effort i think i don't know i think we're becoming a sexually frustrated society right now you know the whole thing with janet jackson and the wardrobe malfunction where she popped out and showed a nipple that no one could see until they did the million playbacks. Well, even then, no people hadn't even I, you known. Know, it's such a small and pixelated thing. You can't tell and what's going on. And so what? Like that people were so outraged about it that that helped to contribute to no one wanting anything to do with, with having nudity in movies or whatever. It's like, Used to All be of so a sudden, <laughs> why is that the big thing to cut out of a movie? But we show – and I'm not saying you should censor violence in movies either. Like I remember there was a bad period in movies for – you know, and that's how the Scream movies came. People were cracking down on violence in movies so bad that we ended up with like a whole decade of movies that just weren't any good at all, which is why there's such a big backlash now if people wanted to see ultra-violent movies because they got hungry for it. And that's what – that's why I'm telling you people about this right now. All you people who think it's a good thing that you can't see boobs in movies, there's a backlash coming for that. Because that's how it happens. When you deprive people of their vices in tiny doses, they, they're on their way to a big bad binge. It's like the prohibition. Yes, Started it is a gangsters. prohibition. 
it's just a subtle prohibition where no one made it illegal. It's just all of a sudden everybody decided all at once that that was the way think, we were going to do things. Wasn't it in Commando maybe where he's like attacking a guy in a hotel room and he shoves him like through a wall or something and then yeah, the next there's room people and having sex na- and it's just randomly naked people aren't they? they live actually ends with a boob shot it's great yeah that's true <laughs> the yeah. very last scene is a sex scene nice. she finds out he's an alien just jiggling jiggling jugs and then like hey baby what's wrong <laughs> Whatever. and then it goes into 12 minutes what the the glorious 80s Man, it makes you think they're glorious because you look back and you think of it as some kind of uninhibited nirvana. And all the comedies in the 80s were like Babylon. that too. They were all like Porky's kind of nonsense where they'd have yeah. you know, Revenge of the Nerds where they had a shower scene with all the sorority girls or whatever. And every time you have a movie that has nudity, you can guarantee that the director is going to stand up somehow and actually proudly defend it. Like, he'll get excited to tell you, yeah, I wanted to give people that payoff. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, have, have, you know, have nude shots in movies become so taboo that someone actually has to explain why we see a naked lady in a movie? Meanwhile, man, you can chop off a penis and animate it. Yeah, that's nothing. That's part of the backlash I'm talking about there, too. Because they're trying to, in order to seem not sexist about it, they're just shifting yeah, it the other direction. Yeah, I was going to say, it has, that has to be the key, that people are worried about if they show naked girls, it'll be seen as exploitative somehow. But no one's going to complain, well, apparently, if you show a guy. Here's the thing, children, that you may or not have figured out. When you portray sex in a certain way, it's exploitation. It doesn't matter if you show the nudity or the sex. It's the sentiment. So now it's okay that women can be objectified just so long as we don't get a clear picture of the object. But if they're still acting the same way, we're still having the sex scenes, we're still having the shower scenes, it's still not substantive, it's still not real, the characters are no more in-depth. In fact, it's worse because it used to be, like I've said this before, it used to be that in a movie you'd have the good girl who was pretty, but she wasn't the buxom beauty. You know, you could tell that she's hot. But she wasn't the one who was obviously going to be naked, and her best friend was an idiotic blonde who couldn't act worth a crap. But, I mean, she was unbelievably out of proportion. And you knew, oh, she's going to get naked. And that was the division. Now, all the girls look like that dumb blonde. None of them are really that smart. They can all kind of act, but nobody gets naked. And you're like, wait, I don't know anymore. It's sort of like I was saying, you know, the movies aren't about good and evil anymore. Those archetypes aren't there. And now, like, innocent and slutty are not archetypes either. It's like we sort of amalgamated everything into this one big, just amorphous blob of nothing. Like, no substance at all in these stories. So it's like, I don't know who the good people are, and I don't know who the bad people are. I don't know who who the nice ones are, and I don't know who the dirty ones are. They're all kind of good, kind of bad, kind of dirty, and kind of nice. And by the end of the movie, they're all getting tortured to death or whatever, and there's there's no story. There's nothing that really happens that can give you something to learn from. Well, clearly this is you should learn, but you know what I mean. Clearly this is a conscious decision. I mean, this isn't a... um accident there must be a commercial reason for this that well, directors and, and producers or whatever are avoiding this but i think that it is i don't think this is directly conscious but what i think it is it's the 
it's the obvious result of several conscious decisions that were made that people didn't realize were interconnected. You know, it's that horror movies are sort of they're they're keystone movies. They they're they're indicators of the zeitgeist. What you see, and we talked about this in the junk exploitation episode. What you see happening in horror movies is a dark mirror of what's happening in society. It's, it's true in movies in general, but horror movies represent extremes, so you see it first in horror movies. And that's what we're seeing here is like we people became afraid of violence for a while, so they shied away from violence. People became afraid of sexuality, so they shied away from sexuality. Now we're coming back to violence. And it's ultra-violence. We're coming back to violence, and it's mindless violence. It's violence without story. It's violence without substance. It's what I would define as negative, as opposed to positive violence, which supports a story and a moral point of view. Whether, whether the character is moral or not, or whether the character wins or not, we are led at the end to know that it was a, a consequence of choice one way or the other. And then the whole thing with the sexuality is the same issue. We got scared of sexuality and we shied away from it and we're going to end up coming back to it. And this sort of has happened in a way that people don't recognize. When we shun violence, you know, we pushed sexuality from the mainstream so people went looking for it where? Pornography is more popular than ever and I don't, it always will be and always has been popular but what hasn't always been true that's becoming more and more true is that porn stars are mainstream celebrities now. Yeah. Now, who do you think gave porn stars that? It's to make a, have a tape. How do you think yeah. that porno found its purchase in the mainstream? It's because the mainstream shied away from sexuality. So people became more comfortable with pornography because it was the only place where any kind of sexuality was being represented. And it was an extreme too, but they settled for it. And what happened is even, you know, the porn industry started to become more mainstream. The porn stars became better looking. They started going to red carpet things. They started their industry started having the same you know, award shows and people starring in reality programs with other celebrities to the point or they start putting out pop albums or crossing over and becoming real actors in real movies. Does that happen? I haven't seen, I don't really know. If, I, I mean, Tracy Lords, Tracy Lords in real acts movies in real now? movies. All, uh, good movies, but she's in mainstream movies a lot. She's been in TV shows. She had pop albums. She doesn't do porn anymore. Well, good for her. Well, good. Yeah, good for yeah. any of you girls who find your place somewhere else. You know, that's not an industry I want to see anybody thriving in for the rest of their lives. You know, I don't think it's there's find something, your niche and get out. I don't think that there's this this undercurrent going in through it as much as you do. I, I really do think it just started with when Scream came out, the reason it was a big hit. And the reason so many of movies were made with Jennifer Love Hewitt and those kind of kids in them is because they said, you know, we were making so-and-so money, making horror movies for the 17 and older, supposedly going to rated R movies kids. And then uh, you can make a movie PG-13 and you have a whole new crowd audience that will also mm-hmm. go. And that's, I guess, they where they figured their 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 money was going to be made. So they said, "Well, let's just clean up the horror movies a little bit, make some goosebump kind of movies." But that's where and it, that's, that's the, where the it dangerous started. decision. Well, that's saying. where everything started to go wrong because and, they didn't they didn't in any way 
and I'm not saying they should focus on cleaning up the concepts, but I noticed this because we were watching Tank Girl the other day. Have you ever seen Tank Girl? I saw it when it came out. I don't remember it at all. I really like it, but I, I remember we were watching it because I was with a friend of mine who had her kid around, and it's a rated R movie. But And she's like, is there anything in here that would be inappropriate for him? I'm like, eh, I can't remember anything. I don't remember any real violence. I don't remember any nudity or anything like that. Or, some you language, know, maybe, maybe some swearing or whatever, yeah. I guess. But throughout the whole movie, you know, she's so, there's so much innuendo and not so much, you know, the single entendre kind of <laughs> innuendo, you know? Yeah. And that it was very inappropriate. And I realized how sensitive, like, man, when this movie came out, I didn't think anything about this. And now I'm like, man, this is really inappropriate the way they're talking. And I realize it's because of be 10 years. Yeah. What are they? What? Are, that's not, that's not protocol at all. And it's not the movie. The movie is fine. I mean, it's not fine. You shouldn't let your kids see Tank Girl. But what I mean is I was really struck by this saucy. <laughs> this is very saucy How much talk. the bar has been lowered or raised or whatever you yeah. want to put it. And I realize how soft we're getting. And, and I mean, not that you should be real vulgar with people, but I mean how sensitive we're becoming, overly sensitive to the way people talk and act to the point where a movie like that, you know, it really it really brought it home to me how, how sanitized movies have been over the last 10 years that we're – well, do you really Where think she's it's just being, a bad she's thing? She's just being saucy. Well, I think it's a bad thing when it's not sincere. I don't think, because movies, I think, are supposed to reflect the way society really is, or what it, and in best cases, what it should become. But I don't think that that was a, re- a proper representation of the zeitgeist. I think what happened was what you said, which really hits it right on the head. They decided they'd open a market up by cutting out the worst things that were there, but keeping the the overall idea. So it's okay to have teenagers chased around, having premarital sex, being brutally killed, and all this stuff. We'll leave the shower scene in. We just can't show them naked, because this is PG-13. We'll leave the sex scenes in, because that's appropriate for 13-year-olds and, and below to be seeing, you know, these, these, these young kids, it's okay for them to be seeing sex scenes in a movie and shower scenes and, and all this, and it's okay for them to see all this violence. But what it's not okay is what, what's when weird is that the ratings they see boards, a naked person. The ratings people, whoever it is that does the ratings, they, I guess they're a lot more bothered by the actual showing of the, the stuff than the context. Like they don't seem to care if it's implied that things are happening or even spoken of directly as long as you don't see it. Well, as a, as a board the, that is basically designed to enforce censorship, much as they would like to, there's no good way for them to tell people to ju- adjust the tone. One of the biggest one of the biggest uh, criticisms of the MPAA is that they have never had a hard and fast list of rules. That you could just say, you can show this, you can't show this, you can do this, you can't yeah, do well, this. How, it's that's how per movie. You know? Yeah, how do you know well, if you're making a movie? 
Well, that's they shouldn't have rating systems like that anyway. I like it when you're watching HBO. An HBO movie will come up and say, "We strongly recommend you to watch, you know, watch out for this movie because it has profanity, it has extreme violence." They they're to the point where they tell you if there's rape in the movie, you know, because I think that's appropriate as a as a parent. I think you know a person would be much more okay with their kids seeing healthy sexuality than they would with their kids seeing a scene that depicted rape. Which is to me something that I, I still think gets portrayed a little too lightly and a little too often in movies. That's a big deal to me, and and I think I think the reason that that starts coming up is we feel like we can't be titillating visually because it's not allowed to show naked ladies. So we try our best to be titillating intellectually. And just suggesting sex doesn't do it anymore. It's one of the things they say that's kind of the only, you know, that can be dangerous about porn is that one bad element of it is you see sex depicted so many different kinds of ways so often you become desensitized to it and you need something more to get you stimulated. And that's what I see happening in movies. It's like, oh, you used to just be able to just wave your jugs at somebody and that was it. Good movie. You know, everybody went home happy. But they can't do that anymore, so they keep trying to do these other things. And just suggesting that the girls got jugs doesn't do it, and talking about sex doesn't do it. And so the next thing you know, they start breaking into more extreme intellectual representations of sexuality, which is we start talking about rape, we start talking about, you know, stuff you wouldn't see. More movies about incest, stuff like Teeth, you know, which I think was real fun, tongue-in-cheek kind of stuff. But, you know, that's where it's coming from, is there's a strange titillation that people are getting by talking about non-conventional sexuality. Because, damn it, we just can't even see real sexuality depicted in movies in a way that's, that's satisfying. And I'm not talking about seeing real sex in movies. But I'm just talking about watch that real sex show on HBO. You'll know what I'm talking about. We were just talking about how they're the ones who brought up that real doll where all of a sudden we're talking about people having like sex dolls in the house. And the purpose of that show is not to get you to want to buy one of those dolls. The purpose of that show is to titillate you by showing you stuff that's that weird. Well, it's a voyeuristic nature to that. I don't think that there is any harm in any of that. Do you think I don't that, think there's uh, any harm in, in most of it, but I think where it comes from is, is harmful. In some places. Do you think that there was any harm in the way that the movies were back in the 80s? How they just randomly showed that kind of stuff? Do you want to go back to I, that? I don't want to go back to that, but I want to say that it wasn't nearly as harmful as I think people took it to be. Because, and I've always felt this way about horror movies, that I don't understand why, I guess people who don't appreciate the genre... The people who don't appreciate the genre take it too seriously. It's like people who don't like Grand Theft Auto. And they're like, you're walking around shooting cops and slitting people's throat and stealing cars and all that. It's like, yeah, because it's a game. And I get it. I don't – I get you don't do that in real life. I get it. When I'm watching horror movies and I see like all this, this stuff going on, I know you don't do that. I get it. They're, they're sort of portrayed in a certain way that they know what they are and they know you know what they are. And I think when it was all campy and silly and fun, it was better than now. Movies are so much more sophisticated. They're so much more reali realistic in the way they depict things. And I don't think the line is as clearly drawn 
and especially since they're not even doing this stuff for fun anymore, you're going to see stuff in movies that, and I'm as a as a long time you know lifetime admirer of horror movies. There are horror movies now that I'm like that's just too violent. I I don't want to see that. Yeah, you know. So I feel like I'm a person that's credible in saying this. Because it's not that I don't like horror movies. And it's not that I don't like blood. I love blood in movies. I love gory movies. I grew up on gory movies. You know what I mean? Not since like I was a kid, but I mean from a teenager on. I wasn't watching like these kids where you'll go see like, I don't know, Hills Have Eyes 2 had a kid in the audience. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I wasn't one of those kids. I didn't get to see stuff like that. But I'm just saying from the time that I was a teenager on and discovered gory movies, I was – you know, I was a fan. And we got it. We were always defenders of horror movies because it, it was always the people who were detractor. The detractors never got it. Never got what a kind of fun, you know, blow-off it was for us. And now I wonder if it's not a blow-off for people because it doesn't give people what I think is the positive sort of payoff. Like, go to the movies, you get to see boobs. That's cool. Especially, you know, for people who don't get to see boobs very much. That's a nice thing. Instead of them having to go download porn and seeing all kinds of crazy nonsense. Well, let me but, let me throw something else your way. Another theory. At the same at the same time as the uh, the screen movies kind of came out, that was also during the time of the rise of the internet. And during this time, kids, teenagers, whoever had open access to naked girls whenever they wanted to. They just go on the internet and they could see whatever they want. So movies no longer had that as a an ace up their sleeve, so to speak. They no longer said, well, if we put naked girls in, people will want to come see it because that's, you know, they want to see naked girls. Like, well, we could see naked girls anytime. You're going to have to give us something more than that. So I think maybe that's where these extreme violent kind of things come in because they're like, well, we have to, we have to shock them somehow. Yeah, we have to bring them the in ante. with something that they can't see, you know, whenever they want to. So yeah, that's even scarier. Well, I just think that there. I think there's the a idea lot of that truth that's to that. the new plateau, and I think they're they're short selling themselves because the internet's full of porn, and there are new porn sites coming out every day. the I, The availability of being able to see porn and naked ladies still doesn't make it any less fun to be in a movie and see naked people. I just don't. Yeah, but I I think that a large reason that that stuff was put in initially, back in the day, was was to bring people in. You know, that was like, that's why it would be in every movie because you I have a counter it. argument here that I think works to that theory. All right. Because around the same time as the Internet was getting popular and this was happening and around the same time as these Scream movies, another thing that got inexplicably popular were these mainstream men's health magazines <laughs> that are really just Playboy without the nipples. Without and the nipples, not, you're not people. talking men's like, seriously. health magazines. You're talking about men's magazines, because like men's, men's interests. Well, they started out calling them health magazines, and then they became men's interest magazines, which yeah, is like by the time stuff maximum and stuff like that. They weren't even trying. But yeah, these things started to become popular, and their bread and butter was showing ladies who were super hot in lingerie, but not naked. As naked as you can be without being naked. And that to me shows you like a line in the sand that got like a fallback position. Well, because then all these like now your most mainstream actress 
not Julia Roberts, but like a, the the new Julia Younger Roberts ones, coming on the yeah. scenes who want to be famous will do a Maxim spread like it's nothing. The nice girls, Maxim, nothing. You know, even in real life, like it, just like in the horror movies, there's no difference anymore. Like when you it used to be like girls who had tattoos that said something about them. Used to be girls that wore go-go boots that said something about it. These girls are out there. You can't even look at the way a girl is dressed, and it doesn't even say how old they are. It doesn't even say that about them anymore. You can't even look at a girl and know how old she is by how she dresses because even the parents aren't policing them on this because the PG-13 movies said it's okay to do everything but show nudity. Because of that period, because Maxim Magazine, because of all this stuff, I don't think people were getting saturated on nudity. I think it's because people wanted some kind of – they wanted some moderate level of sexuality held in the mainstream, but they didn't – like like Hooters, you know? Yeah. Hooters is a strip club where they say, serve hot wings. But it, you can take your kids there because the girls aren't naked. You and know, you they're, put, they're skimpy outfits. They're there to be objectified, and that's okay to expose your kids to that. And you can sell Maxim at, at Walmart, but you can't sell Playboy at Walmart. Yeah, so a kid can go buy Maxim. Like a five-year-old could buy Maxim. I don't want to pick on Walmart. he could go look at all those girls. But it's always bothered me that at Walmart, you they will put like a, a brown paper bag over Cosmo. I, they apparently have done that in the past because it'll say certain words on the cover and stuff like that. They will Whatever. not sell a CD if it's got that explicit lyrics thing on it. They will not sell that CD. But they will sell Basic Instinct, the movie, and I bet they don't card the kids if they go try to buy that. You know what yeah, I'm saying? they probably don't sell the unrated DVDs. Well, even the rated version has got all kinds of stuff in it. I'm yeah, just well, saying that's, they'll sell a movie. To me, that's, that's the dividing stuff. line that really bothers me is like, what do you think when you take the scissors to a movie like that? What are you cutting out that then makes it appropriate? <laughs> Nothing Seriously, makes that movie appropriate. I'm not saying that you should censor or rate things based on the tone of the story or the themes because who gets to make those calls? I'm just saying, seriously. Thinking you can have a push-button system that's based on, what, three major rating scores? I mean, they make DVDs. They actually release unrated DVDs as as a means of selling them. I mean, movies that came out on TV have unrated DVDs. Mr. and Mr. Smith had an unrated DVD. Did you? Is there something going on there? No. Unrated just means they threw in the deleted scenes that you don't want to see anyway and didn't submit it back for rating. But they put that big unrating ba- unrated banner on it because they know that's a selling point. So really, how effective are your rating systems? And it shows that there's a market. Because unrated doesn't mean raunchy anymore. If they put that on there and it sells, that shows there's a market of people wanting that kind of stuff. So I Yeah, don't know. I really think DVD is a market that's going to help people to see, you know, I think it's going to help people predict trends in in what people want and I think it already has I think sometimes it's giving us too much choice we were talking about that before where the unrated usually is just like a comedy that's now over two hours long because they put back all the stuff Yeah. like okay it's too much I think I will stick to the R-rated versions of comedies because I just you know there's sometimes it's raunchier stuff that got cut out but most of the time they just put everything else back in and it's long 
But yeah, what what is that? Where you can call anything unrated and people want to see it. But if you can make something rated R because it has the F word in it, and then you can turn around and make something rated R because it has a naked lady in it, or then you can turn around and make something rated R because it has a lot of violence in it, then what does that R rating mean at all? Go to the theater, and during the previews when they're showing you the, the rating, read the little fine print underneath. It'll crack you up. Like, rated PG-13 for some comic violence, you know? The things that they say, or for epic battles. Yeah. Something's rated R because it has epic or fantasy violence. Like, so many ridiculous distinctions. It's like trying to walk through a blockbuster when you're looking for a movie. You know, we've got a special section for dog pictures. You know? When I was in the when I was in Barnes and Noble trying to buy the copy of The Unthinkable, which is about the people who survive disasters, I couldn't find it. I was looking in new literature, I was looking in you know, whatever, nonfiction. I think they have a special section for nonfiction. I finally went up to the desk. That desk, which is there as their admission that they don't know how to have yeah, a proper filing much, system. Yeah. That that you can't even have a computer. You actually have to have a guy manning it because you're going to have to actually have him take you to this weirdo section because this section probably only has one shelf. And he's like, yeah, that's in psychology. I'm like, I'm glad I came up here because I wouldn't have looked there. And then, of course, he walks me to the psychology section that I didn't know where it was. And there it is. Now, I walked in the store knowing the book and the author and had to get help finding it. That's a that's a discussion for a different time, I guess. The over-labeling of the world. <laughs> but, it's a, but it is an example of what I'm talking about. To me, it supports my argument. How can you put a label on something that's one letter that tells them anything about the content? Tells them you found it offensive somehow. And I guess, I don't know how this stuff works. I, I really shouldn't even be talking about it. But do, do theaters, I guess, they will not show a movie if it's not been rated? Is that how it works? Us. Yeah, most of them won't. But they, I think theater owners it, insist on, there's not a law against it, but I think they, they have to have something to say what it is. That's interesting. I wonder if there's... I think the rating system is to blame here, even though we had the rating oh, system back in the day. You know, another thing that we should look into, and we, we should have done this before the show, is uh, the in, the invention of PG-13 as a rating. I think that came out around the same time as all these screen movies and stuff. No, it was a little bit before, because you know what, the move, what movie actually, and this will show you the power of the MPAA, quote-unquote power. The, the This rating came about around the time that Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was released. Really? That early? That's They wanted to rate it R, and there was a big flap between them and, and Steven Spielberg, if I'm remembering all this correctly. Sometimes I say things like they're absolutely true, and yeah. I realize I just heard this like 20 years ago. But as I remember it and as I heard it at the time, yes. And, of course, you know, ended up not being rated R. But it was shortly after that that the PG – it created – that was the controversy that generated the question, do we need, you know, do we need a medium? Well, see, that was not how I remembered it. I seem to remember it maybe not being in the 90s, but being in the late 80s, I would say, where the PG-13 came about. And because of that, they're, they're, they, f they figured, well, we can start making action movies and – horror movies without showing all this stuff? This is a good question. 
because, because I uh, mean, what if, is the first PG thirteen movie? If you only have rated movie? R, you're like, well, you might as well. But I if, would say this plays into your theory either way because if whether it was the earlier to mid eighties, which it would have been mid eighties if it was Indiana Jones, because that was nineteen eighty four, Temple Temple Doom, I think, would have been mid eighties then. You're still talking about by the time the, all these Scream movies and all that stuff came out, the, the rating had only existed for a few years, so it was probably only just then finding its stride where people started realizing. Because the, the rating system has been around this long because of a strange symbiotic relationship between the studios and the MPAA. You know, if the studios decided that they weren't going to submit any of their movies to the MPAA, it'd be very difficult for them to fight it. Because, you know, there's just they, – they depend on that level of cooperation. Yeah. But so the studios are always trying to figure out, well, how can we work within this system to make it work for us? And, yeah, they figured out the marketability of the PG-13. PG-13 is cool. It says this isn't for little kids. So people want to go see it. Like when Revenge of the Sith was PG-13, I was like, man, you know, it must be something that's not appropriate for little kids and it's Star Wars, you know? So it's like a badge of honor, but then Unless you make it's it a horror movie, in which case I find it I find it a warning signal. Oh, I can't I cannot deal with a PG thirteen horror movie. I was even mad at the you know that they did a PG thirteen, you know Die Hard. Yeah, see that start to be like doesn't what seem the right. Hell, at all. is this about at all? You know, if kids are not allowed to see the previous installments of a movie, they shouldn't be allowed to see this one. Oh, that's absolutely true as well. You know, what are you saying? Like, they're going to go see Die Hard 4, and then you don't want them to get excited enough to want to go rent the first three? It's like making, like they're making toys based on the Dark Knight movie. But I'm like, do we really want kids seeing the Dark Knight movie? They're playing with the toys. Yeah, that's where we get all messed up on things. And that's, and I think that all plays into what what we're talking about here. I'm going to go ahead and blame PG-13 for this. I think you got something here. I really think, I think that's what it is because there used to just be a clear line, adult, children. And you didn't have to be a children's movie to be, you know, PG back then. I mean, you could just be a serious movie. Yeah. That it was just their way of that saying that it was okay it. for kids. Like Indiana Jones, okay for kids. Take your kids to see this. It's fine. There used to be, it's you okay. Know? It's not okay. But now there's like a bunch of gray area. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. well, it's kind of okay, it's kind of not okay. And everyone's playing with that, and, and I think that's where we got things start getting confused. Yeah, I think I think you you nailed it. I think you, you brought that one right home. Well, we're, we're at a weird age in terms of our actual life age here, where we're, we're old enough to have lived long enough to have seen the changes, but we're, we're not really young enough to be hip with the kids now enough to to understand if if they're taking it too seriously or not mm. you know what i mean i i think we we run the danger of sounding like old fogies because we're like man they used to be when i was a boy we used to have movies where they and that's what remember. gives me hope because it, it seems like that is what always happens we're like your movies aren't about anything and i remember hearing people say that you know about our movies these 80s movies that we're defending that are that are crap oh yeah because you know the 70s horror movies were so much better than the 80s movies so what we grew up with was crap to all the people that came out right before us yeah and every generation thinks that they're the last generation and the best one and they're neither one of them true only one generation is going to be right about that the last thing and that will be the zombie generation that one hasn't happened yet yeah and then it will be zombies and that's it i like how one week you're talking about how to survive a star trek episode 
in the next week you're talking about these. these I got layers, things. man. I keep trying to tell you. I'm a complicated dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, I could put that on a t-shirt right now because what a great way to – I'm a complicated dude. <laughs> that would be a great catchphrase to Do have. <laughs> but that to me is the beauty of our show. We we get into if it's if it touches the popular culture, we get into it. That to me, I think is the only is the only underlying theme of our entire program. So hopefully we've hopefully we've learned something, and hopefully we've taught something as usual in our better episodes. I hope we we've all we've helped yeah. the healing for the for the world. Do you want to have? Did you want to mention a note about these? these prank phone call things that we'll be using in the next show. Yes. Did you well, we did some in the last that? show already. I don't know. You may hear every now and then for our little bumpers, we're using some of these prank calls that Brooks and I did. And these were done several years ago, back when we worked at our, the radio station. More, more than, more than yeah, 10. Probably. Or I at think. least, or at least like it would have been 10 if, if not more than 10. Yeah. It was, it was a long time Ten-ish. ago. Yeah. For us. But, just so you know, we just just for fun, we decided to put those back in there. So if you hear a random bumper and it and you don't know what it is, it's something that we recorded back when we worked at a college radio station many years ago. We would just sometimes randomly call each other's show and we'd record it, and uh, kind of like a prank call or whatever. And that and we just recently uncovered these things. That's why we're we're not just randomly. Yeah, I'm doing just it. pleased with them. We just recently re- actually wanted them. bumpers for that last show, and it worked out. But I I am happy to incorporate the old stuff. I'm I'm, I'm nostalgic. It, it makes it you know the, you're listening to this program, so it's as though it's a radio show. But I, I do miss being in radio, where there's an immediacy yeah, there's to it. something when you're when the light you turn the mic on and the light comes on and everything goes quiet. Well, it, it's still and difficult it's to imagine we're yeah. in the digital world. A friend of mine called me yesterday, and, and she was like, "You know, you got to tell me how how I can listen to your show. Tell me when it's on, and all this." It's like it's not, you know, it's always on. You know, it's you down, you click it, and it's there. It's digital. It's, yeah, on, it's on right on. now. You understand? It's always on. Our show's like lunch meat. It's always ready. TVAteMyDinner.com is the website. If you want to email us, feedback at tv8mydinner.com is the email. And uh, darkcrazy.com, check that out. Bellswake.com. Haven't had anything new on there in a while, but we're, we're working. we got six new songs we've recorded. And we're in the we'll try to mixing. get some stuff for you. Just a matter of time. Uh, WeareOurMySpace.com slash TV8MyDinner is out there. Check that out if you want to. And uh, oh, Lynn is blogging on MySpace. So yeah. we might try to, to point you in her direction also because instead of our stealing her insights all the time, maybe you get them straight from the source. I'm going to have my people talk to her people about about working a contractual thing out where we get some of her blogs on our webpage. So we're gonna... We have an a, a official license to just take Lynn as, as our own product. But she has a lot of good ideas, a lot of good insights if you want to read that. She has... She's got a, 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 what is the orphanage? She's got a review of the orphanage up. Yeah, I actually got a copy of that, and I haven't watched it yet. Right so. now. I'm a, I've got it in my Netflix queue. I'm going to try to get it the next time around, especially now that she's seen it. See, she's she inspires us. She's keeping us on our toes. All right, then. I think that and, covers uh, it. I guess we'll see you next week. My name's Brooks. I'm Sean. And bye. I never know what to say at the end. I know. I never wanted to oh, end. Oh, wait. I do know what to say. 
Adios. <laughs>